verse at a time. And as I was mapping it out, though, I looked at today's verse and I thought to myself, David has completely shifted gears here. He suddenly abandoned sheep, he's abandoned the shepherd metaphor, and suddenly is replacing it with a feast metaphor. He says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Now, I don't know a lot about sheep, but a couple of things I know is they do not eat at a table, and they do not drink out of a cup. So it's pretty obvious that David is introducing some new elements to the picture he has been painting here in the words of the 23rd Psalm. He does this with phrases that can be interpreted a number of different ways. But this verse today we have in front of us, verse 5, and in parts of it from what Kevin read to you before from Psalm 104, is all about abundance. It is the abundance that we experience when we follow the great shepherd. Now when you read the Bible, you're going to see that God is an amazingly generous God. Amazingly generous God. Now, I'm not talking about material things, although we do know that God does bless his people materially. More importantly, God is generous with the things that make life really worthwhile. I mean, he blesses us abundantly with love and with mercy and with grace and, and forgiveness and on and on. And those gifts, God always pours out on his people abundantly. Unfortunately, here in America, we are so conditioned to connecting happiness with possessions that we often miss out on the biggest part and the most important part of how God wants to bless us. Now, it's true that in certain situations and in certain conditions, God does bless his people materially. But I want to tell you something this morning, friends. If your only blessings are material blessings, then I feel sorry for you. Because God has so much more to give you than just stuff and things. Now today we want to look at this verse and we want to talk about the abundance we can experience in God. And we're going to look at how we can truly learn to enjoy his blessings. So we're going to start with this part of the verse. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. If you were here last week, you may remember I told you that the shepherd often would lead his flocks to higher ground during the time of year. They'd eaten all the grass on the lower ground. He would take them up to the higher ground so they could get better pasture. These higher grounds, these flat places in the mountains, we often call them mesas, which is the Spanish word for table. So for years, uh, we've been referring to these in various languages as mesas or sometimes as tablelands. So David is kind of using a play on words here because he wants to give us two different images. One is the image of a shepherd taking care of a sheep to take him up to the tablelands, if you will, and the image of God preparing a banquet for his people. Now, during spring and early summer, a shepherd uh, often visits these highlands to get them ready. He'd go up on the mesas a couple of times just to get them ready for the sheep. Uh, he would pull the weeds, he would cut the poisonous plants that would sometimes grow wild there, so that when the sheep finally arrived, if you will, at the banquet table, the mesa, everything would be ready. 
Now, I've got to tell you, I have been to a lot of banquets in my life. And I have come to the conclusion that we too often misuse the word. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because paper plates and plastic forks and iced tea with melted ice and rubber chicken or some microwaved meal and a dry brownie is not my idea of a banquet. Now, I've got I to preface this by saying there is a time and a place. There's nothing wrong with serving that kind of a meal in a streamlined group setting. It's just not a banquet. It's like eating airline food without the benefit of going anywhere. See, in a real banquet, I mean, you think about this. In a real banquet, you have real plates, real silverware, lots of real food, plenty of seconds, and the meal is prepared on a genuine stove or a genuine um, grill or in, a, in an oven, and the meal is not yanked out of some freezer and, and nuked at the last minute. And the dessert is certainly not something that you could buy at an Easy Mart or a truck stop. Now, the problem is many people equate the Christian life with the airline food menu and not this luxurious banquet that we're talking about. Some Christians think that God only gives them just the bare minimum, gives them only enough to get by. And again, I'm not talking about material possessions. I'm talking about the emotional blessings, the spiritual blessings, the, that quality of life in Jesus. Because God is not stingy. You can never apply that word to God. He is not a stingy God. He is not stingy with forgiveness. He's not stingy with his grace. He's not stingy with his love. He pours all of that stuff out to us in amazing abundance. And yet somebody recently asked me this question. Just how happy do you think we deserve to be? I mean, think about that for a moment. How would you answer that question if somebody asked you, just how happy do you think we deserve to be? Well, when I heard that question, I thought that's as if God only wants to pour out a little bit of happiness. I mean, that's kind of a faulty question, if you will, because that's not how it is. God says you can have all the happiness you desire. You can have all the contentment you desire. You can have all the peace, the love, the joy, the patience. You can have all of the fruit of the Spirit as you desire, as much as you're willing to receive. You can have it so that as a full measure pressed down, overflowing into your laps, it is to the point where your cup runneth over. Now let's go back to the sheep. I mentioned last week the journeys to the highlands, the lowlands up to the highlands, up to these mesas, up to these tabletops, could be a dangerous trip. Modern-day shepherd Philip Keller said that frequently predators would sit up on the rim rock watching every moment of the sheep. You can picture those wolves sitting up there watching the sheep go down the trail. And they were just waiting, pacing back and forth, waiting for nice, one nice juicy little sheep to get separated from the pack. But the wolves and other predators, the lions and the bears, are helpless to make a move while the shepherd was watching the sheep. A number of years ago, I was on a mission trip to Nigeria. And while I was there, I was given a bodyguard. And when we traveled in a group, we had military protection everywhere we went. When I got home, when people heard about that, they said, were you afraid? 
And I said, no, not really. The reason I wasn't afraid was because I was surrounded by people whose only job was to keep me safe. And as long as that bodyguard with his side weapon or those military guys with their automatic weapons were there, my enemies, whoever they might have been, could not get anywhere close to me. Now, in the same way, every last one of you has an enemy of some kind out there, whether it's a physical enemy or whether it's like the Bible describes as the roaring lion walking around seeking, you know, short, little, fat, juicy Lutherans to devour other varieties of Christians as well. But if you stay close to the shepherd, the enemy can't get to you. Here's the second phrase. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now think about that for a moment. There's a lesson to be learned here. We need to learn to focus on the feast and not on the beast. Did you get that? Focus on the feast and not on the beast. See, we're often looking at the enemy. We're often looking at what we don't have. We need to learn to enjoy the blessings of God in this moment instead of always obsessing over every potential problem. Now, I'm going to tell you that that's easier said than done because I have to often remind myself. Every once in a while, I've got to kind of sit back and I, I, I say to myself, Self, you've done all that you can do. You're trusting God to do all that he can do. And so we're not going to let my fear of the unknown prevent me from experiencing joy in my walk with God today. That's what it means to feast at the Lord's table, to rejoice in the feast and not worry about the beast. It goes on and says, thou anointest my head with oil. Jimmy, you probably know about this. You ever treat a sheep for nose fly? No, okay, well, I'm going to teach you something, okay? I'm going to teach the vet something. I didn't know this either until I studied up a little on sheep. But one of the, one of the enemies of the sheep is the nose fly, and it, it tries to get up in the nose of the sheep so that it can lay its eggs and then hatch a colony of larvae that burrow deep into that sheep and cause severe inflammation. Now, as the shepherd who wrote this book, as the shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm said, he said, when sheep have nose flies, and I was thinking when I read that, I thought, man, I can imagine if I had nose flies, they become agitated. <laughs> Wouldn't you get agitated with a few flies up your nose, Courtney? Probably. It said they, they just kind of stamp their feet erratically. They just kind of tromp around, and they actually will go so far that they'll bang their head against rocks or, or something else hard to try to get rid of that misery. Now, the cure for this problem, as well as the prevention, is for the shepherd to apply oil over the sheep's nose and head. Listen to what modern-day shepherd Philip Keller writes, and this, this might actually be on the screen. I think I put that up there. Once the oil had been applied, there was an immediate change in behavior. Gone, were the, gone was the aggravation, the frenzy, the irritability, and the restlessness. Instead, the sheep would start to feed quietly and soon lie down in peaceful contentment. Now, if we were to make an analogy here, the oil is, it symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been talking about today. If you notice some of our hymns and our liturgy about the presence of the Holy Spirit. When we allow the Holy Spirit to anoint us with his presence, 
most of the head-banging annoyances of our life lose their significance. When the oil of the Holy Spirit is over us, it, you know, we kind of lose this distraction. Now, why is that? Well, first of all, because we know who's in control. Second of all, because the Holy Spirit gives us as much peace and joy as we want, so we don't need to get stressed out about everything that tries to get up our nose. Now, elsewhere in the Old Testament, some of you probably remember that oil was used for refreshment. Now, I'm not talking about having a good cup of oil. But were you paying attention before when Kevin read to you from Psalm 104? Verse 15 says that God gives us wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, shine and bread that sustains his heart. They used it to keep themselves fresh. It's also used to demonstrate consecration. Now, kings and prophets and priests were anointed with oil to set them apart as God's chosen leaders. The symbolism behind this, thou anointest my head with oil, is that you've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. His presence in your life is going to do what? It's going to protect you. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to refresh you. It is going to keep you consecrated in your walk with Jesus. And then he ends up and he says, my cup runneth over. You ever had that happen? I would bet that the last time your cup ran over, you went, oh, no. <laughs> I want to suggest that the next time your cup runs over, you go, wow, thank you, God. Now, what is he talking about here? David is saying, I have more of God than I can possibly contain. I've got more blessings than room to hold my blessings. My life is a life of abundance. Now, when I was preparing this message, I started thinking about all the areas in my life in which my cup runneth over. I'm going to read you just a partial list. I have more sermon ideas and sermon titles than I could ever preach in a lifetime. I have more ministry opportunities than I can possibly pursue. I mean, I just, I just got an invitation to show up two times in Haiti and two times in the Dominican Republic before the end of the year, not to mention a trip to India. There are more mission opportunities out there than I have time to take care of. You know, I've got more family and friends than I can spend time with. I have a family that supports me and encourages me in my work. I'm never lacking when it comes to family and support from my wife. I've got more music in my music collection than I, can than I have ears to listen to it. I have more books on my to-read list than I think I can even get to in the course of this summer. John, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I have experienced more answered prayers in my life than I can even remember. I have been forgiven more times than I can even count. Now, the list can go on and on. I'm just telling you, my cup runneth over. Now, the truth is, there are probably a couple of areas of my life and are probably a couple of areas in your life in which you might say, my cup doth not runneth over. In fact, my cup seemeth empty or not quite full. Now, what happens when your cup seemeth not full? When your cup seemeth not to runneth overeth? 
I'm glad we don't speak King James anymore. But what happens sometimes when our cup doth not runneth overeth is that we are tempted to spend all of our energies focusing on what's not there. But we should not get in the habit of defining our life by what we don't have. Instead, to make it a point every day to, to say, man, where are the points of abundance in my life? Areas in my life where God has given me more than enough. I mean, I, I think I'm just going to give you another little example. You, know, you all know Nancy and I have a grandson, Joshua. Joshua has been a source of cup runneth over blessings for as long as we can remember that little dude, right? And I tell you, it's still cool today to know that a 22-year-old, soon to graduate from the University of North Texas, will still call his grandma and grandpa regularly for all kinds of reasons. To tell you how he did on a test, to hit you up for cash on occasion, <laughs> just because he hasn't talked to you for a while, just to tell you he loves you, just to find out what you're up to, or just to chew you out for not calling him when you got home like you were supposed to. You think about something like that. You know, your cup runneth over in those kinds of things. And see, when you think about what God has given you that's more than enough, quite honestly, friends, you know, that's like if you're looking at the feast instead of the beast. If you look at what you got that runneth over, you don't have time to look at that which filleth not, if you will. I've been closing each message with a bit of homework. Let me give you a little bit more homework this week. It's in your worship folder, too. But verse, memorize verse 5. Hopefully you got the first four verses down already. Some of you I know have already got the entire Psalm 23 uh, written. Uh, by the way, next week when you come, if you cannot recite the entire 23rd Psalm, you have to give an additional tithe. No, I'm just kidding. That would be a good idea, though. I mean, But I... I don't want you not to come to church just because you didn't do it. But to memorize verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Of course, tack it on to verses 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That kind of stuff. Here's the second part of the thing. is That is to yield to the Holy Spirit. To be begin each day to ask the spirit to fill you we know that if you're a christian the spirit's already there we're not talking about oh lord give me the spirit if we're a christian the spirit's there but sometimes we kind of run a little on empty but ask the spirit to fill you to anoint you to consecrate you to refresh you to strengthen you whatever it is you want and begin that day that way and repeat that prayer throughout the day just to say yeah Spirit, refresh me. Spirit, fill me up. Spirit, guide me. Spirit, give me direction. I don't care how you want to do that. But the other thing I would suggest you do is to make a cup runneth over list. In as early as possible this week, which would mean today, maybe you sit down with a pen and a piece of paper or your computer or uh, your, your whatever you're going to be using and, and begin a list of all the areas in your life in which you have more than enough. 
And there's nobody here that doesn't have more than enough in some areas. And I can prove it, I think. I hope this is not going to backfire me. But is there anybody here who only owns one pair of shoes? I've seen them literally explode out of the closet by the dozens. Now, I know most men only have one wallet, but most women have more than one purse. You know, we can go further. You know, do you have more TVs in your house than you have people to watch them? <laughs> you know, well, they're blessings. I mean, you can look at all kinds of stuff like that. But you can also look at the fact that God has just given you more peace and contentment. A couple of weeks ago, we walked into the back of the house on the way home after lunch, and the first words out of Nancy's mouth were, we're really comfortable here. runneth over. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff like that. And you do it again and again, and maybe during the week you think of more and more. And then when you look at that list, learn to just say, thank you. Thank you for giving me such an abundance. You know, one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to measure abundance in the terms of money and the things that we can buy. But friends, there are so many things in life that are so far more important, and God is willing to give you more than you can you can hold, and he's already done so in so many ways. You know something I've noticed, and that's that the more you focus on the abundance of your life, the more abundance that seems to come your way. And so I just want to encourage you to, to allow yourself to celebrate the riches of God's blessing. And if I can put one, of the, one thing at the top of your list this week's on, week on your cup runneth over list, I just simply write the word Jesus. Because when God gave a gift, he did not skimp on it. God did not send you a run-of-the-mill Messiah. He did not send you something he found at a garage sale. He sent you the very best. And the gift of Jesus Man, it is more than you can ask for or imagine. It's going to fulfill more needs in your life than you could ever even conjure up. Every day the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. You don't even get leftover mercy. The forgiveness you get is never ending. I mean, at the top of your list is that overabundance of Jesus in your life. I mean, celebrate the riches of God's blessings. And if you do, you will indeed experience his presence even when, and maybe I should say especially when, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Because you can know then that God is with you. You know that God's presence is going to help melt away all of your fears. You find comfort in his word. You find comfort in his spirit. Because God, whenever he leads you through the valley... You remember from last week, always takes you to higher ground. And that's what we're aiming for, to walk through this valley of the shadow of death, the higher ground, which is found in heaven, because of Jesus and his love and his grace and his mercy, which causes our cup to overflow. May God bless that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, before our final blessing in, 